is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. No, no, you have not made contact with your leader. But you have made contact with his handy-dandy bullpen pitcher. Mark Levin is out tonight. Of course, that is not the voice of Mark Levin. He has a very distinct voice. It is the voice of Dan Bongino talking about himself in the third person as if he's Bob Dole. I love Bob Dole. He's a great guy. Good to be back. Miss you all. Love this show. This is like the hundredth time or so I've been here. Rich, do I get like a Mark Levin like Hall of Fame thing for, for being like the... Uh, you know what? I'm still way behind the legendary Tom Marr, though. God rest his soul, right? Tom Marr, man, he was the man. Remember him, Tom? <laughs> I used to work with him at WCBM, too. He was the best. I love Tom. Oh, all right, I got a lot to talk about. As always, I'm having a tough time prioritizing what to get to first. You know, let me hit this first, given that it's the most current, acute uh, story of the moment. Did you see Trump this morning at NATO? <laughs> God, I love this guy. Yeah, somebody, any structured rules of diplomacy we've had in the past have gone completely out the window. And I don't know about you. I don't know how you feel about it. But I think this is great. For decades now, through Republican and Democrat presidents, we have had this problem where we constantly push, we follow the structured rules of diplomacy, the butt-kissing, boot-licking routine, where we fold the napkin the right way at the table, we give the handshake, we do the photo op, you know the whole drill. We go through the whole process, we kiss each other's butts on camera, you're the best, no, you're the best, no, you're really the best, no, you are really, really the best. We've done this over and over, and nothing changes. Well, let me be clear. I'm a free trader, but we've had some issues with trade. We've had some issues with funding for global alliances, NATO included. And through Republican and Democrat administrations, nothing changes. So my guess is this, right? I don't know Trump. I wasn't briefed on his operation this morning. Obviously, I was preparing for this show, filling in for Mark. But he goes into the room this morning with NATO, and somebody probably says to him, hey, uh, Mr. President, here's how we're going to do this. Are you going to go on camera? You know, tell NATO how great they are. The NATO represents Stoltenberg is going to tell you how great you are. We're all going to tell each other how great we are. It's going to be a big backslapping session. Um, then groups of people are going to tell other groups of people how great they are. It'll be a big celebration of our collective greatness. And then we're going to walk out. And he probably says to the guy, okay, Mr. Staffer, um, so what happens then? Oh, nothing. We're, we're going to continue to get screwed, and uh, our friends are not going to continue to meet their global obligations for national defense to be part of NATO. So Trump's probably, like, scratching his chin going, uh, I don't think so. I'm not really cool with that. So he sits down at the table with the cameras on, and everybody at the table, by the way, I, this part I love. If you go back and watch the footage, right, on our side of the table – it's Trump, Chief of Staff John Kelly, um, our NATO ambassador. And on the other side of the table, I think they're expecting the normal, you know, circular back padding squad where they're all going to tell each other, great, there. Trump goes, nah, this is no good. 
I don't like the fact that the Germans are building this Nord, uh, this Nord Stream 2 pipeline, or they're supporting it, I should say. It's going to lead to you know, some Russian economic growth, and we're trying to stop Russian aggression. And I don't get this. You're asking us to police the world as being an enormous sponsor of NATO. We pay three-quarters of the bills for NATO. And you're asking us to defend you all against Russian aggression that really is going to impact you more acutely than it will us while you're supporting this pipeline project in Germany. I'm not really good with that. Ladies and gentlemen, the people at the table look like they're having a Maalox moment. They're like, what? Does somebody have a thumbs? Like, what do we do now? And now all of a sudden at the end of the meeting, they're like, oh, okay. They put out a release saying, yeah, we're going to, we're, we're reaffirming our commitment to the alliance and we're going to shoot for this target of over 2%, nearly 4% GDP spending on national defense. Listen. I'm not bringing this up to get into a conversation about United States global commitments on the defense front. We could do a whole show on that. I just want to bring this up to hammer home again how this guy is done with the old rules. It's, ladies and gentlemen, it's over. When I say this guy, I mean the president. No disrespect intended. I'm a Queens guy too, like him. I'm proud of that. The president does not care about what happened before. He doesn't care. He, is a, he, is a, he was a builder from Queens. In his world, where he exists, he was a builder from Queens that built in the most difficult environment in the world, New York City, where you're shaken down by the mob, by some special interest groups, by bureaucrats, politicians. Everyone has their hand in your pockets in New York. This guy, the president of the United States, when he was a builder, had to deal with these knuckleheads his entire life. He does not care how things got done in the past if what happened in the past led to no results. Because in his world, if there were no results, there was no building and there was no income and you were broke. He doesn't care. But the media simply cannot accept this. The media cannot accept the fact that there is a new sheriff in town. They can't deal with it. The media are a bunch of managed decliners. They think the United States should take a reduced footprint in the world. The world is on a slow decline. We should join the decline because we were the cause of it initially, which is absurd. And that we, the United States has no special role in the world. President Trump just doesn't feel that way. He doesn't feel that way. You know, this reminds me of a story. And forgive me if I get some of the details wrong, but it was a story of these firefighters I read once. And it goes to show you how sometimes being in this milieu of foreign policy establishment people who tell you how things are supposed to happen with air quotes and then nothing happens kind of loses you in the process and you get lost and you never find actual results. Trump's the opposite. He cares about results. And I think of this story when I think of Donald Trump. I, I read this once about this group of firefighters and they, they, uh, they're dropped into this fire. It's a, it's a mammoth fire. It's out of control. And sadly and tragically, many of them died. Well, one of the guys that survived was actually one of the newest firefighters out there. He was, in essence, a rookie. And there were some debriefings done afterwards. And when they, they asked him what he did, he said, I dumped a lot of my equipment and wound up escaping and ran. 
And it was a fascinating story because when I read it, some of the details, they insinuated that some of the training with the other firefighters who'd been around a while was that you don't abandon a lot of your equipment. You're supposed to keep your equipment. I guess this guy was newer and hadn't been kind of that, that, that hadn't been drilled into him. So he just dropped in and he wound up escaping. And I thought to myself, you know, this in essence describes a lot of what's going on with the strategic approach of this president and, and the people who surround him, many of them. They haven't been told to do things a certain way. They haven't been indoctrinated into an old way of doing things. So when he walks in a room and he says, hey, haven't we had this meeting before with NATO? Yes. Well, what happened? Well, nothing. They still haven't committed to spending this money on their national defense. Well, why? I don't know why. All right. Well, I'm going to go in and ask him. Oh, Mr. President, you can't do that. You can't go in this room and ask him in front of the cameras. Well, why not? Well, because we're going to embarrass them. Well, well, what about it? Embarrass them? We're spending three quarters of the, the NATO budget is the U.S. Isn't that a little embarrassing for us? Yes, but Mr. President, we're the United States. It's a structured diplomacy. There has to be a glad-handing session. Your job is to go in there and tell everybody how great they are. Their job is to tell you how great you are. We do this, you know, the, the whole circular operation of greatness where we pat each other on the back. We say it in front of the cameras. But nothing's supposed to get done here, sir. Don't you understand politics? Um, no, I don't. I don't get this. I build stuff. Folks, he's done with that. That's not his bag of donuts. This president does not care about structured rules of diplomacy. He cares about results. Because in his world, you had to actually build the building. Now, when you combine that, point number one here, that he's a results-focused, not a process-focused individual, with point number two, that this guy is chronically underestimated because of his bravado, chronically, by liberals and the media. You see why he's constantly under attack. You know, on the other side of the break, I'm going to get into him and Kavanaugh and some feelings I have when I watched them in the announcement the other night. But I just want to, before we go to break, I want to leave you with this. Donald Trump's a guy from Queens. I'm a guy from Queens. I understand Queens guys better than anyone. I can't give you this analogy enough if you want to understand Donald Trump. When you're a Queens guy in the business world, you never have the, you know, air quotes here, elite status of the Manhattan business guys. Those are all the movers and the shakers, the Manhattan guys, right, and ladies out there. That's where the prestige is in Manhattan, New York City, New York, New York, right? So there's always this sense of, I got to puff my chest a little bit and I got to earn my reputation because you're not going to get it just from having a Manhattan zip code. On the streets, the Queens kids, they're never as tough as the Brooklyn kids. You just have to tell people you're from Brooklyn and they assume you're tough. Rich, you know, right? Mr. Producer, you're a New Yorker. Am I making this up? The Bronx, yes, Mr. Producer, bingo. The Bronx with a D. All you have to tell people, like Rich, is I'm from the Bronx. And people automatically assume you're tough. My wife has a great story about this. When she moved to Queens from the Bronx, all the kids thought she was tough. Folks, this is real. I'm not making this up. When you're from Queens, you don't get that. You don't. You have to actually prove you're tough, and you have to puff your chest a little bit. So if you're in business, you have to puff your chest to gain your and earn your reputation as an elite businessman. And when you're a street kid, you have to puff your chest a little bit to earn your stripes as a tough guy. This is where the bravado comes from. This is who Trump is. He has to prove stuff. He has to build stuff. He has to get stuff done. When you understand the psychology of this guy... 
all of this makes sense. This is why I, I know, right? I know I got to take, but this is important. This is why everything to him is tremendous and it's the greatest ever. And people are saying, this is why he talks like this. Because he just wants to get stuff done. The bravado is the, it's not an act, it's him. It's how he sees the results happening by constantly, you know, pushing onto that he is tough. He is a good business guy. He's going to get this done. When you get the Queens mentality, you get Donald Trump. And a lot of this makes sense. If the liberal media made any effort to understand this guy, they'd understand what I'm telling you. All right, I got to take a break. If you want to give us a call, join the show, 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. You know what? I didn't even have to look at the number that time. I've been doing the show so much. I didn't even write it down. 877-381-3811. I'm Dan Bongino. Info Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Rich and I talking right through the break. Me barely paying attention. You know, this is when you get too comfortable on the air. Right, Rich, what do they tell you about motorcycles? You ever ride a motorcycle? They say the most dangerous dude on a motorcycle is the guy who's been riding it forever. Right? Because he gets so comfortable that he stops. The, the safest guy in the world on a motorcycle is a first-time rider because they don't want to touch anything. Me, I'm sitting here chatting with Rich. He's like, go. I'm like, oh, go. Yes, right. We're on the air. It's only a show of millions of listeners, Dan. You may you may want to pay attention to the cues. Oh, boy. All right. So before the break, I was talking about the, the psyche, the what I believe to be the, the mental makeup of Donald Trump. And listen, I'm not trying to do a Sigmund Freud. OK, folks, I, I, that's not my deal here. I'm not a psychoanalyst. I'm just trying to tell these liberal media people who constantly underestimate this guy that you have no idea what you're dealing with. I mean that literally. You don't have the, the foggiest idea what you're dealing with. You th- I, I know what you think you're dealing with. You think you're dealing with a braggadocious ignoramus. Matter of fact, some liberal listeners listening right now to the show are probably shaking their heads going, yeah, yeah. Really? Are you sure about that? Are you sure you're not the suckers getting played here? I, I follow their tweets. This is what I do. Like, my whole job is content production. Most of my day is spent reading liberal email lists I subscribe to to read the level of kookiness. And I have, I, I don't want to say which ones because they'll block me, but I follow liberal Twitter accounts. A couple of them already have blocked me, by the way. And I, I can tell the level of liberal hysteria and kookiness by following these few people. I would give them out, but I'm telling you, they'll block me. And you can always tell how nuts they are. They really think this guy's an idiot. Despite the fact that, folks, they're getting dunked on left and right. This guy is like the Michael Jordan of politics and and political strategy dunking on their heads every single day. And yet they're the ones painting this guy out to be a buffoon. He's a Queens guy. This is the Queens thing. This is how they work. Now. The reason I'm bringing a lot of this up is I was watching the other night, as probably many of you were, the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh in the White House. And I see Trump. He comes out. You know, he walks down the hallway. You know, having been a Secret Service agent, I've taken that walk many times. And it's always um, it's always impressive. Well, not like that. Not with the kid. Believe me, the camera. It was on midnights at the White House where there's no one around. No cameras following me. 
But, you know, you watch him up there, right? And I couldn't help but think, I know the liberals are, and the media are still laughing at this guy. Yet there's a guy, right, nominating a man, Brett Kavanaugh, right? Follow me here. Have you seen Brett Kavanaugh's resume? Brett Kavanaugh's resume, love him or hate him, there are some, there are some credible objections to it from, you know, some things we need cleared up. I totally get that. I heard, I listen to Mark's show too. I agree with Mark on that. There are some things, there are some things I like, some things about the metadata. I have some serious objections to the Obamacare thing as well. But you look, you cannot question the man's resume or his character from what we know. He's an incredibly accomplished human being. But who nominated him? You realize this guy wouldn't have the job he had if it wasn't for Donald J. Trump. Despite all his education, all his tremendous accomplishments, all, of, all he's done in the judicial system, all he's done as an attorney, his job was dependent on a man who won the presidency of the United States with zero political experience at all. None. And yet the liberal media still, to this day, cannot get past the fact that they are right and that this guy is some kind of a buffoon who happened to fall into the presidency. Media people, by the way, who had to take journalism in college because they couldn't figure out how to get like a, a pass a biology or chemistry course. They're the ones looking at this guy thinking he's a dope and that they've got this whole thing pegged. Are you kidding me, you dopes? All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. Give us a call, 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811 if you want to join the show. We'll be right back. Liberty's Voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now, 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino. At the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for Mark. Just got a tweet from uh, Chris Tagal. Good dude, man. Shout out, Chris. Stuck in traffic, listening to Mark's new affiliate over there, WPHT. So hat tip to all those listeners. You all are great. We love Philly. Well, I got to tell you, I still I know the art museum's great, but I still love the Rocky statue. I still I can't help it. I know it's got to drive people nuts. You got this great art museum, and then everybody goes to take a picture with the Rocky statue. But I don't know. Maybe it's a Queens thing. I mean, I love that thing. I went there doing an advance for the Secret Service once, and I'm like, where's the Rocky statue? Guys, like, that's what you want to see? I'm like, take me to the Rocky statue. Hey, don't forget, by the way, 10 o'clock Sunday night, TiVo it. Go do it now. DVR, whatever they call TiVo was the original. That's like saying make me a Xerox copy. DVR it right now, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Life, Liberty, and Levin, Fox News Channel. Best long-form interview show on television. You will not want to miss it. Watch it live, DVR it, don't forget it, 10 p.m., Fox News Channel, Sunday night. Don't miss it, life, liberty, and living. All right. I want to get into something here that's really been on my mind lately, and a little bit of an explanation about why the latest liberal outrage campaign, I mean, this is what they do. They swap one outrage campaign for the other. First it was the election, then it was the Russians, then it was the travel ban. Uh, what else? Oh, then it was the tax cuts. I'm, I'm lost in all the liberal outrage campaigns. Rich, if I'm missing one, fill me in. There's so many of them. Uh, what was the latest? Oh, then it was the separations at the border. That was their, another outrage campaign. There are so many. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be funny. I've, I've lost count of the many outrage campaigns liberals have been involved in. Um, but this is going to be like nothing you've seen, the outrage campaign over Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, I assure you. 
Um, but there's a reason for it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, one thing about liberals I've learned in the content space and during my time in politics and having run for office is don't make the mistake they make with us. Do not underestimate them like they did Donald Trump or you will get backhanded. You will be blindsided tactically and you'll be like, what just happened? Liberals are still doing that with Donald Trump. That was the whole essence of my last segment. They just can't get their arms around the fact that Donald Trump is dunking on them every single day now. They can't. They think they're smarter than him as they're getting played. As they're get, we're nominating Supreme Court justices, legislating, signing bills. They're getting played. And they still think they're winning because they think we're idiots. And they think he's the king of the idiots. Meanwhile, they're really they're they're in this circle of stupid that's hard to break up. They don't even get it. They're all staring at each other. What's happening? What's happening? We're happening. Donald Trump's happening. That's what's happening. But the outrage campaign over the courts is going to be like nothing you've ever seen. And there's a reason for it. Folks, liberals figured out a long time ago that there's absolutely no popular appeal, no popular mandate for the steaming pile of garbage we call big government liberalism, progressivism, whatever you choose to call it. I call it by uh, typically an expletive I can't use on the air. But that's what is liberalism is complete garbage. It's a steaming pile of horse manure. There's no mandate for it. Nobody wants it. As I said last night on uh, Hannity's show on Fox, liberalism sucks for liberals, too. That's the irony of liberalism. There is no popular mandate for confiscatory taxes, for complete government control of your health care, for total government control over your land and your property through uh, government red tape, for complete control over a failing education system where you have no choice. There is no popular mandate for that at all. There is a fringe element of society, maybe 5 or 10% of people at max, who when they no, really understand those policies, would support such idiocy. And it's because they usually have some kind of lack of brain power themselves. That's why they support that nonsense. If there is no popular mandate, ladies and gentlemen, for those programs, and you're still a big government status that's insistent on big government, heavy government power, there's a problem. What's the problem? There's no popular mandate. That means there's no votes for you because there's no mandate for it. If there's no votes for you on a national level for this stuff, when you're not lying about it, there's no way to get the stuff pushed through. Or when you get it pushed through because you, you lie to people and you smoke them up about what you're really doing and then they figure it out, they go and there's a, there's a, a, a political revolution later on. The Reagan revolution, the Trump revolution. That's the thing about liberalism. As I said, liberalism sucks for liberals, too. That's the problem. If liberalism was so great, Walter Mondale would have been the president. If liberalism was so great, Massachusetts would, wouldn't keep electing Republican governors. Rudy Giuliani would have never existed in New York to clean up the mess left behind by Ed Koch and David Dinkins. Liberalism's a disaster. It's a forest fire. It burns down every single thing it touches. There is no popular mandate that's sustainable for liberalism. Now that we've settled that, because it's true, liberals still need to push for this big government agenda. So instead of trying to convince people that confiscatory taxes and big government power over their lives is a good thing, because they know over time people yearn for freedom and will, will, will do whatever they can to break from the chains of that, all they have to do in the court system is convince who? 
Just one judge. What a deal. If we can stack the courts with a bunch of liberals pretending to be judges, really politicians in black robes, if we can just convince that one judge to implement what we couldn't implement ourselves, a national abortion policy, they couldn't pass that. Oh, abortion, it's settled law. Really? If it's so settled, why are you so worried about Roe versus Wade? No, I'm serious. Why are you so terrified about Roe versus Wade if it's settled law? If, if, if what you believe, the pro-abortion crowd out there, if what you believe is so widely accepted to be true, moral, ethical, and legal, then why are you so worried that it's so tenuous that just one person could possibly overturn it? Why is this always your scare tactic? Maybe because there's no popular mandate at all for what you're talking about and you needed the judges to push that through? Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize when there's a popular mandate for things, there is absolutely no need to stack the courts with liberals to keep it? You, you need an example? Let me give you an obvious one. If, you know, sometimes stories and analogies work better here. To prove to you how threatened liberals are by their crap agenda and the fact that there's zero popular mandate for it, that it's so it can slip away like that in the snap of a finger because they can't convince people what they're telling you is true. Think about something now that we all accept is universally true, that it doesn't matter. We can all agree if a liberal, a, a, a Green Party member, conservative, libertarian, Republican appointed a judge, it wouldn't matter at all. School segregation. Can we all agree that was a stain on our country? Of course. It's taken as a default. Even asking the question's absurd. But do you see the point I'm making? That's not a Republican idea or a Democrat idea. That's a human idea. We don't segregate people on skin color. It was a stain on our country. It was a stain everywhere it happened. Nobody's worried. Now, of course, liberals will say stupid things like, if you elect the Republicans, by the way, who they were the party who actually fought segregation. But I'm not even going to get into that right now because it's just playing at the stupid liberal talking points. No, but no serious person, which really discounts liberals. No serious person actually believes that whether a Republican or a Democrat or liberal or a conservative appoints a judge, that anyone's going to go back to uh, de jure segregation in schools. That's that's unadulterated idiocy, in other words, liberal talking points, which is the same thing. That's something we all accept as being a moral stain on our society. That's not changing ever. We are never, thank God, reverting back to that. But if what you're saying about the termination of life in the womb, if you're so confident that you have a popular mandate for this, and that everybody agrees with you, that this is how people feel, then why are you so terrified that every judicial appointment is going to overturn it? Popular, nobody in the United States would allow that to happen, the uh, returning to segregation ever. Nobody, no serious person, regardless of the political label in front of their name, who had an ounce of morals or ethics would let that happen. But there are a lot, a t- me included, by the way, of really, no, I don't talk about myself as being good, but I'm talking about you. Good people out there who understand the damage that the termination of life in the womb does. And we have very, very serious objections 
to some national mandate on it. If you've convinced so many people that your pro-abortion stance is right, again, why are you so worried? Ladies and gentlemen, they're worried because I think they quietly know they're not right. Now, legislating from the bench should have never happened. Mark has been all over this. Mark has forgotten more about the Constitution than some constitutional scholars even know now. And believe me, I'm not kissing up to him. He doesn't even like that stuff. Rich and I were just talking about it. He hates that. I'm telling you, I haven't had conversations with the guy. Believe me when I tell you. He can quote stuff. You'll be like, wow. And I do a lot of homework. He pulls stuff out of his head. I'm like, did you just? It's almost like he's like a processing computer all the time. The founders did not think this was going to happen. The founders were under the impression. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain the difference here in a second. Here, We're under the impression that each branch of government would jealously guard its power. I don't believe if you read the Federalist Papers that the founders were. I'm not going to say they weren't concerned. They were concerned about a lot of things. But they thought, they felt that the legislative branch, the executive branch, and the uh, judicial branch would jealously guard those powers. That there was no way the legislative branch was going to cede those powers to the judicial branch of government because they felt like this was, it was this natural uh, you know, human instinct to crave that power impulse. And we had to check that power. They weren't going to cede it. They were more concerned about checks and balances vertically and horizontally than they were about people actually ceding power. Liberals have managed to convince people that the legislative power of government lies in the judicial branch, which it doesn't. How did the founders miss this? Listen, our Constitution is the greatest governing document in the history of mankind. But there were some problems with it. There's no question about it. And one of the unanticipated issues was a bunch of rhino spineless Republicans and big government liberal, you know, status Democrats willingly ceding their legislative power to the judicial branch. But why? Why did it happen? And why did the founders not see it coming? Hmm. Let me uh, sum this up for you. Because the founders had cojones. You can quote me on that. They had titanium spines and other body parts made of titanium. This was the revolutionary generation. They had guts. They figured if you got elected to the House of Representatives, you were going to guard your power. You were going to want to do something in government to make some kind of positive change for society. They never assumed we'd get a bunch of gutless losers up in politics and in uh, Congress and the Senate. Now, not all. There's some good guys, but very few, sadly, who would never want to make a decision because they had spines made of feathers and they were going to say, hey, listen, um, I don't want to do this because I don't want to suffer any ramifications at the polls. So what I'm going to do is we're going to pass this off to the courts. We're going to let the courts do this. And when the courts do it, we're going to say, hey, man, and what, ooh, wiping their hands of it. I had nothing to do with that. The founders had cojones. These guys and ladies, many of them do not. They don't want to make a decision. They're gutless. They've willingly ceded their power to men and women in black robes who have become de facto legislators on the bench. And I don't think the founders saw this coming because that's not what they were made of. All right, I got more of this on the other side of the break. If you want to give us a call, I will get to some of your calls. I promise you want to join the show. It's 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. I'm Dan Bongino. 
in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in for Mark. Should be back with you tomorrow. So uh, before we went to break, I was talking about how the founders, they they assumed they would people that these politicians would jealously guard their power, not be a bunch of gutless wonders who would never want to make a decision and cede that power to a bunch of black robe justices and judges in the court system. But that's what's happened. They don't ever want to make a decision. I mean, the revolutionary generation that eventually became our first members of Congress, they have to be laughing at these guys we have in there today and some of these women who can't make a decision on anything. We're going to repeal Obamacare. Well, not really. We're just kidding. It's just like a joke. It's a disgrace. All right. I did want to get to a call before we uh, end the hour here. Let's go to Chris in North Carolina. Chris, you're on with Dan Bongino. What do you got for us, buddy? Dan, great show. Um, I almost went off the road driving earlier when I was. Don't yeah, don't do that. We love you. We need you alive, Chris. But thank you very much. <laughs> Listen, um, you're only missing one leg of the thing, and, and actually, you just covered it. Now, it's not just the scum in the media that don't get Trump. I would expect that in the liberals. It's the Republicans that are that are killing us out here. When I heard Hatch and the rest of these people criticizing Trump over there today. It just infuriates me. How many millions of lives did we lose saving their bacon in World War One and Two? How much money have we spent? Well, Chris, I know I, I, I agree with you that about the the Republicans, and I, yeah, I did kind of just hit that too. I understand, you know, you were on the line waiting to get on, so you probably didn't hear. But no, I agree with you, and I I've heard from credible people. I'll put this out there; I'm more than comfortable to do it. That a lot of these congressmen and senators behind closed doors think the exact same thing the liberal media folks do. That Trump's an idiot, he's some kind of adult, that he just fell into the presidency, which is amazing, Chris, when you think about it. Because a lot of these senators and governors thought they would fall into the presidency, too, and couldn't do it. And yet they look at this guy like he's an idiot, again, as he's dunking on their heads constantly. But, yeah, I agree, and it's just kind of shameful that he's not even in the country, and we got, yeah, Republicans jumping in front of the cameras to take a cheap shot. I I don't get that either. It doesn't make any sense. It's just despicable, you know, and it just all this does is just it strengthens those of us, us deplorables out there. We get even stronger and firmer behind this man. I couldn't be more proud of him over there in, in Europe telling these folks, you need to pay your fair share. We'll just pull these troops out of here. And hey, Chris, and- Chris, there are Republicans who think he did damage today. There are there are actually Republicans who don't understand. And by the way, I got to take a break, Chris. Thanks for the call. But uh, folks, I'm telling you, there are Republican swamp rats, liberal media folks, liberals and Democrats who actually think Trump hurt himself today overseas. They just don't get it. They absolutely fail to understand this guy. It's like their skulls are, are made of like concrete or like plaster of Paris or something. The, the brain waves are just not escaping. They just don't get it. America and American citizens, not Every single person, obviously, you have a group of people who just live here and sadly don't like the place. But the overwhelming majority of Americans love the country, are very patriotic, salute the flag, respect the flag. And when Donald Trump goes overseas and says, listen, you guys got to pay up. We're not going to defend you if you're not going to defend themselves. The fact that the media thinks that hurts them is ridiculous. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino. In for Mark Levin. Give us a call, 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. 
from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Yes, welcome back. Welcome back. Dan Bongino sitting in for the great one. Mark Levin will be back with you tomorrow. You know, sometimes when I'm doing this, I do it from my home studio. I sit dangerously close to the end of my chair. If you hear a rumbling sound and the sound of a skull uh, smacking off of a desk, that's me falling off my chair. Don't worry, Rich. You don't have to go to a best of. Just give it a five count. I will be back. I will be in pain, but I will be back. I'm serious. I'm like, there's like an inch of butt connected to this chair right now. I don't know why. I, I can't do It's just like this habit I have when I'm doing Mark's show because I'm always so geeked up all the time. Like, I can't sit back and just chill out. I have to be in the mix all the time. So one of these days, if you hear that, don't worry. I'll be okay. I have a rather thick skull. Um, I'll be fine. But just, Rich, do not go to a best of, right? Just give it a five count. <laughs> I'll return. Don't you worry. Now, if you hear glass breaking, it'll be different. Then you may want... They may want to call the police. Okay, we're going to get to the show. We're going to keep uh, messing around here. So last hour I was talking about how, on a serious note, how the founders never expected this. The liberal love affair with the court system is bedrocked in the fact that liberals have no popular mandate for big government liberalism because people are not trying to be uh, dramatic for effect, folks. It's just a fact. People yearn for freedom. Nobody wants to be controlled. People hate being told what to do. They want to work to support their families and themselves, not to support other people. Now, people are very charitable and benevolent, thank God, but they don't want to work 60 to 70 percent of their lives in some of these big government countries to support other folks who can work themselves. They don't want health care decisions made for them by someone else, especially a government bureaucrat who's never met them. They don't want the government controlling where their kids go to school. People don't yearn to be controlled. They don't. They want to be free. They like to be free. There is no popular mandate for liberal garbage. So liberals need to convince a judge, not legislators, because they're not going to get legislators to do on a mass scale what they want to do. That's why they fell in love with this legislating from the bench approach to things. And rhinos let them do it for a different reason. So just to be clear, so we're laying out the parameters of where we're going here. Liberals love legislating from the bench and a judicial slash legislative branch, because that's what it's become in many cases, because they can't get people elected on a mass scale to do things that they that, that they want. They can't. Their agenda is big government state control. And they don't have the votes to do that, folks. They don't have the votes for it. So why convince people? We only have to convince a judge in a court system if we can legislate from the bench. This is great. This is peachy. We love this. Now, the rhinos have acquiesced to this and let them do this, the weak-kneed Republicans, because a lot of weak-kneed Republicans have fallen in love with power and the accoutrements of office, right? 
They go up there. People plant a big wet one on their backside all day. Oh, you're so great, Congressman so-and-so. We love you. Look how special you are. These are people in high school who are probably the third-string quarterback in a Division three team, never got anything done in their lives, couldn't succeed in business, a lot of them. Not all of them, but some of them, they, could, they don't have half the resume Trump does, by the way. Or any of these other, some of these other accomplished people out there in the real world. They get up to Congress, they get elected, they win an election. And I'm not knocking all of them, but I'm talking about the, the sellouts, the frauds. And they're like, wow, look at me. I'm so important. I'm up here. I get to go to cocktail parties, eat salmon sushi all day and foie gras and steak tartare. But steak tartare, what is that? But cook the steak. You cook the steak, man. You get the lines on it. You cook the steak. Tartare. What kind of person eats that? <laughs> See, I get sidetracked easy on, especially when it comes to food. Cook the steak, eat the fat, ribeye. But Republicans have let them do it the weak need ones because in order to get elected, follow me here, don't lose me. The Republican electorate, the people who vote in primaries, even in swingy type districts, the people who actually show up and do the voting, pull the lever for someone are generally speaking the most active voters, obviously, and they also happen to be largely conservative. The Republican base is a conservative base, bedrocked in liberty, bedrocked in freedom, economic freedom, healthcare freedom. This is not complicated. Those are the people who will win primaries for you. Well, how do you appeal to those people? I know, I've run for office. In my case, it was genuine, and sadly, in a lot of these cases of these frauds, it's not. You appeal to those people going, I'm a Tea Party guy. I'm all about tax cuts and controlling government spending. Are you going to vote that way? Well, not really, but this is what they do. They campaign as conservatives. Now, that's not what's in their heart. You know, I've said on this show often, and I mean this, if you ever want to understand the failures of Washington, D.C., the failure is this. There are a lot of Republicans a large swath of them who are really Democrats in their heart. But there are no Democrats who are really Republicans. That's why the Democrats beat us often. Because we don't, a lot of these Republicans are lying to you. Just look at their votes. Governments expanded over and over and over and over again. When it was time to repeal Obamacare, they bailed. A lot of them. And I'm not knocking all of them. There's some really good people up there. You got Mike Lee, you got Rand Paul, Ted Cruz. These are good folks. Jim Jordan, who, by the way, the biggest hit job in political history is disgrace happening to Jim Jordan right now. Another, a terrific guy who I have met personally. I'm not name dropping folks. I'm not trying to impress you. I don't care. You don't care either. I'm just telling you that guy's the salt of the earth. What a political hit job on him. Disgraceful. But most of these other gutless ones, they campaign on these things, but they really don't mean it. Because remember, a lot of Republicans are really Democrats. So when it comes to taking a vote, they're like this. They're sweating. They're like, oh. My gosh, tax cuts. Susan Collins is like, what are we going to do? Oh, my gosh, Lisa Murkowski, repeal Obamacare. John McCain, I'm repealing Obamacare. Repeal Obamacare. The sweat beads break out. What do we do? What do we do about this stuff? Oh, my gosh. We said we were going to vote. on. Well, here's what we do. Let the Democrats appoint a bunch of liberal judges who will legislate that stuff from the bench. We never fight this stuff. We do nothing about it. And therefore... This is great. Lickety split problem solved. We don't have to do anything. The judges will take care of it all. Isn't this just peachy? That's how you got to this scenario. 
today where sadly, because the founders never intended it to be this way, I can make a strong case to you that the judicial branch of government, the judicial branch of government is supreme. It pains me to say that. That is not the way it was intended. That is not the way the Constitution was written. That is not the way the founders, who actually had spines, intended it to be. They never thought we would get a bunch of gutless wonders like we have in there now. They thought the problem would be branches of government hoarding power, not seeding it. So they had vertical and horizontal checks and balances built in. These goofballs up there now just seed their power. Let the judges do it. That way, on the campaign trail, I could say, oh, that Obamacare thing, you know what? The courts did it. It wasn't me. It was, remember that Beavis and Butthead show? It was Mr. Anderson. It was other kids. Every time they got caught, it was other kids. Those kids in the court, we didn't have anything to do with that. Because they have no guts. They're gutless. No guts, gutless. Gutless wonders. They love this. Now, the good conservatives, the Jordans, the Mike Lees, the Cruises, the Pauls and these folks... They strongly object to this stuff. And by the way, President Trump as well, who has been vocal on Twitter about his objection to a lot of this court nonsense. Listen, you may say, oh, well, President Trump wasn't an ideological conservative. Folks, I don't care. He's a results guy. He's a conservative results guy. Does that matter? Like, it matters to me. They never saw this coming. They never saw this extreme level of gutlessness. Now, to just kind of wrap this up, because I've got a couple more things I want to get to. There's a lot of stories. It's so much breaking news. It's all kind of happened at the last minute. So I, given the opportunity, I want to get a lot of info out to you. But this is driving the Democrats mad because they understand if they lose this Supreme Court seat, that their ability to, in fact, legislate from the bench and not have the courts act like actual courts which is determining who has standing, who's been injured by cases, the constitutionality of certain things. They don't want that. They want legislation. They're not going to get that, I don't think, with Kavanaugh. I liked Mike Lee for the Supreme Court. I like Barrett. Um, I, I'm not, I have no strong objections at this point to Kavanaugh. The metadata thing bothers me a little bit, but we'll get answers on that. But the left is losing their minds, and it's causing them to do and say things that are out of character. Because one thing about the liberals I've learned over the years is, again, I, don't, I never underestimate them. Everything they do is usually tactically efficient. Their focus group tested talking points, their political strategy. In the era of Trump, he has thrown liberals into complete chaos. They have no idea what to do. They are making mistakes I have never seen in my life. Chuck Schumer is getting played on a daily basis right now by, of all people, Mitch McConnell. He's get, Chuck Schumer has become a laughing stock in the Senate. You want to talk about getting dunked on. I, I, I can't use that analogy enough today, ever since the NBA Finals. Schumer, it's just ridiculous. Just get off the court, dude. It's embarrassing. But they're making mistakes, even seasoned liberal operatives they typically don't make. And the latest example is Dickie D. Dickie D. Dickie Durbin from Illinois. Seasoned liberal, uh, far-left radical in the Senate forever. Dickie D went on uh, Meet the Press this last weekend with uh, was it Chuck Todd. And he said, listen, I'm telling those red state Democrats, Senate Democrats elected in states that went heavily for Trump, you need to vote against this nominee. I was stunned because Dickie D is usually smarter than this. 
But in the era of Trump, no Democrat in the Senate is smart because they're crazy. They just want to hurt Trump. On the other side of this break, I'm going to tell you just how stupid Senator Dickie D's plan is and how this is it really it's astonishing in its stupidity. But the era of Trump, Democrats cannot keep it together. They've gone from derangement to panic to utter complete hysteria, and they're losing all of their tactical skills. It's all getting wiped out. They're like a bunch of kids in romper room. All right, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. You want to give us a call? Liberals, you're welcome too. 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Show Dan Bongino in for the great one. Again, make sure you tune in to Mark's show, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, the Fox News Channel. Life, Liberty, and Levin, of course. Don't miss out. DVR it. It is the uh, the best long form interview show on television. It's great. I DVR it. Sometimes I get to watch it live. I have to get up early, uh, but I never miss a show on Monday morning. I do that. Uh, 6.30 a.m. hit on Fox and Friends. and I am not a morning person, folks. It's kind of embarrassing. I used to get up really early as a Secret Service agent. That White House push time is super early, push time when you change shifts. And I don't know if it, like, messed with my melon or what, but now I just cannot get up early anymore. It's the worst. It's embarrassing. I'm a grown man. You're supposed to be able to get up early, do man stuff in the morning. Not me. Doesn't work. All right. So before the break, I was talking about Senator Dickie D., uh, Dickie Durbin from uh, Illinois, normally somewhat politically astute. Uh, his politics, of course, are insane, but he's usually more of a tactician, and he has lost it. He went on Meet the Press and said, hey, I'm urging all of these red state Democrats, Manchin, Donnelly, Heidkamp, Tester, you need to vote against Trump's nominee because, again, the TDS, the derangement, the hysteria against Trump has made them do things that are irrational. Folks, how do you think this is going to end? Think about it. Let's walk this through what a ridiculous strategy Durbin put out there. So you're going to tell a bunch of red state Democrats in one state where Trump won by over 40 points, West Virginia. Not exactly a squeaker, folks. Kind of a tight race. You're going to say on the most important decision this year, this Supreme Court nominee, you're going to tell your caucus, your Senate Democrats, who are already in a tenuous electoral position, you need to vote against this guy? Folks, they're going to get crushed. Which would lead to what? If they lose, the Republicans stand a very good chance, by the way, even if, the, even if the, most of those races, even if we just flip a few. I'm telling you right now, Nelson's in a world of trouble in Florida, where I am. Rick Scott, bank on it's going to win that race. Uh, barring some catastrophe, Rick Scott. So Florida is going to be a flip. I'm hearing Manchin may be, be able to save the seat. I don't think so. I think Donnelly's in trouble. I think Heidkamp is in a world of trouble. We stand the chance of padding the lead. Right now, we only have 51, and McCain, obviously, given his medical condition, you, you can't expect him to vote. So we're in trouble. We lost that seat to Doug Doug Jones, another one, although he's not up, I believe, till 2020. Doug Jones in Alabama, good luck taking that vote uh, against Trump's Supreme Court nominee. That is going to be tarred to you for every election you run in the future. But this is Durbin's strategy. Now, why is it dumb? 
Well, I'm sure you figured out the math now. In January, after all these new Republican senators are sworn in and they've padded the lead they had in the Senate, what do you do? Now that we've, uh, thanks to Harry Reid, by the way, big thank you to Harry Reid for getting rid of the filibuster. Thank you very much. Nice job, Harry. That was awesome. You left a really solid legacy for the Republicans there. They only need 50 plus one. They only need a majority there. It's all you need. They're going to have a padded lead, meaning they can lose three or four Republicans. You can send up someone to the right of Kavanaugh, and you stand almost no chance of getting that person denied under the advice and consent role. This is their, this is it. This is how futile their strategy is. They've got nothing. I love it. Schumer said the other day on Twitter, I'm going to do everything in my power to stop this. You don't have power. We do. You lost. Did you miss the memo? Hey, by the way, another thing before, um, I go to break. I want to um, very sincerely thank the Hillary Clinton team today as well. I cannot say this enough. You know, it's moments like this, days like this, and weeks like this where we owe Hillary and her team a debt of gratitude. No, we do. Thank you, Brian Fallon, Felipe Reines, all the Jen Psaki, all those political strategists, Hillary Clinton, Bill. Your strategy of running for the uh, the popular vote rather than the electoral vote was awesome. Thank you. We love that strategy. That was stellar. You guys deserve the gold medal for political tactics. Please replicate that strategy again. I'm begging you. Nice job. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin, the most popular conservative author in America. Call in to the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. You know, folks, there's a video on YouTube. By the way, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. Um, I just saw that, that line or whatever you call him in the radio industry about Mark and his books. There's a video on YouTube, I'm not messing with you, of a... A signing he did. I think it was for Life, Liberty, and Levin. Rich, have you seen this thing? The video's like eight minutes long or something. Oh, my gosh. I'm not messing with you, folks. You can look it up on YouTube. I don't know what it is, Levin book signing or whatever. This line, it, like, goes around the mall. And I'm not, it's not like a small mall. You know, it's not like Queen Center Mall in New York where I grew up in Queens. It's like like Roosevelt Field Mall. Like, this thing keeps going and going and going. And me having written some books myself. I got 150 people once in a signing. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. I was calling my wife on the way home like, Paula, 150 people showed up. She's like, really? I, I thought there were going to be 10. There were 150 people there. I thought like, I had made it. it. The bucket list was full. Dan Bongino's life was complete. You watch that video on YouTube. There's, I don't know how many people are there. 5,000, 10,000, I don't even know. You'll get bored after four minutes because it's just a line of people that goes on and on. He's not making that up, that conservative author stuff. That's really out there. Go look at it. You'll get a kick out of it. All right. Hey, breaking news. Breaking. Hashtag breaking by the Hill. It's not a joke. It should be a joke, but it's not. This is a real story because the stupid has begun. The stupid virus, it's contagious, but it's like Hanta or, or Ebola. It's very contagious, the stupid virus. This is an actual tweet by The Hill. 
Hashtag breaking. Kavanaugh, of course, the Supreme Court nominee, racked up thousands of dollars of credit card debt. What? what, what really? Doing what? What, what? what? Gambling? What was this? Criminality? No. Buying Washington Nationals tickets. Uh, Rich, someone call Bob Mueller. Bob, Brett Kavanaugh's a baseball fan. Someone activate the spy team. Is that helper guy out there? Any of the spies, are you out there? Where's the Maltese professor? Get Bob Mueller, get the team. Where's Peter Stroke? Put me in, coach. Bring the righty out of the bullpen. Get Stroke and Page on it. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh in breaking news at the Hill. This is an actual story. Racked up credit card debt because he's a baseball fan. Oh, my God. Americans demand an investigation now. Immediately. Now you wonder. No, you don't wonder. You know. The media yet still wonders why nobody takes them seriously. This is a, this is a real... Tw- I'm, not, I'm not joking with you. This is actually under hashtag breaking on the Hill. The, the Hill, which writes stuff that is so stupid. They, they write a couple times they tried to take a shot at me on stories. That's so, it's such clickbait, and it's so dumb. I'm not even going to click on this stupidity, but this is an actual tweet. Bob Mueller, if you're listening, you better get on this, man. Brett Kavanaugh's a baseball fan, and he charges the tickets to his credit card? It's inexcusable. And you want this guy in the Supreme Court with character flaws like that? A baseball fan who has a credit card? (sighs) Rich, we better do something quick. Somebody better get this information to the U.S. Senate. Stat. ASAP. Oh, my gosh. We live in the stupidest of times. Speaking of fake news, I got so much stuff to get to today. I haven't even gotten to the... John Solomon's story in the Hill, which you know if you listen to me ever fill in for Mark, I'm infatuated with this Spygate story because me having been a federal agent, I cannot believe this actually happened. It's like the the most incredible spy story of all time, except it's full of idiots. <laughs> it's like this it's like the anti James Bond. Remember Bizarro Superman? Like he was like the dumb Superman? This is like the dumb James Bond, like bizarro James Bond story. It is. The story is so stupid, full of so many idiots who screwed up at every opportunity. You can't believe it happened. So I've been all over this case. I'm putting together a book on it. We finally are done, thankfully. It'll be out soon. Rich, if you're nice enough to have me on, I maybe, maybe you'll have me back when it comes out. But it's a good book. But I, I love this story. I've got a couple things left. But before I get to that, I just want to address some fake news, too. A couple of weeks ago, I covered this topic. I wasn't here. It was on my other show. And I addressed the topic of the Trump executive order on the immigration separations at the border. And I had said to listeners, listen, the Trump, I, 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 listen, I'm not a golden calf guy. Let me just be clear on this. I don't think every single thing the president does is always thought out. You know, sometimes and, and I don't have a big problem with extemporaneous speech. But when he does something that I believe is strategically efficient and good, I, I try to recognize it in advance and tell my audience not to freak out. There was a big freak out over the executive order on the immigration separations at the border with the kids. A lot of people said, oh, Trump's caving. He's caving. And I had said to people, he's not caving. I even tweeted it out. I said, I believe this was strategically brilliant. 
because he did something that a lot of people missed. Remember the story. The, 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 that was, this is the prior outrage campaign to the new outrage campaign over the Supreme Court. The outrage campaign a month ago was that Trump invented a law that forced children to be separated from their parents and ripped crying babies from their parents' arms because Trump is an evil, awful human being. That was the media story. That was the liberal story. Even some of the rhinos kind of uh, acquiesced to the outrage campaign themselves. That was the outrage campaign du jour. Trump, in a strategically brilliant move, has an Oval Office signing ceremony and signs this executive order. And a lot of people in the conservative movement said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. He's caving. I said he's not caving. This is brilliant. Here's what he did. And I was right. Ding, 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 ding. Not that I'm trying to celebrate it, but I am. If I can take a victory lap here, because it happened yesterday when I predicted what would happen. Trump signs this executive order because the media keeps telling people that Trump invented this law that's ripping kids from their parents' arms. While Trump continued to insist rather effectively over Twitter and through press conferences and through his staff that he did not make this law up. That this law predated the Trump administration. It was, it was, it's a consent decree to be crystal clear and precise. But it had the effect of law. It was a judicial consent decree called the Flores Arrangement, the the Flores Consent Decree. Many of you have heard of it. It was a court ruling that children cannot be detained more than a certain amount of time. After that time, the children had to be released. Therefore, if the parents were still in custody, the children would be separated because they were not put in custody with the parents because they had to be released. Trump kept insisting while the press fought him at every turn, lying, which is what the press does, and the libs, which is that's all the libs do is lie, that no, no, this is the Trump law. Trump did this. Trump said, no, it isn't. This has been in place the whole time. You guys are liars. So he signs the executive order, and in the executive order, he instructs his Department of Justice to do what? This was brilliant. This is typical Trump. He's 10 steps ahead of these idiots in the media. He orders the DOJ to go to court. And challenge the law that the Democrats insist doesn't exist. You tracking me, folks? You, please, I hope you are. Because if you're tracking me, you'll understand again how Donald Trump, for now the seventh or eighth time in the show, again dunks on the Democrats and the media's heads, and they don't even know it. He signs this executive order saying, hey, Department of Justice, challenge the Flores consent decree in court. Well, what happened yesterday? I said that day, I go, you watch. Look what's going to happen. Now, the media is in a spot because how's the media going to report an executive order challenging a consent decree that they're insisting Trump made up himself? Do you notice how the story just whittled away like an Alka-Seltzer tablet in water? Fizz, it's gone. Do you notice that? You notice how the outrage campaign died? He was playing, what's the line, the four-dimensional chess there. He totally beat them at their own game. I bring it up because the lawsuit I told you would happen did happen. And a federal judge said, per the administration's request regarding the consent decree, no, we're not going to disregard this consent decree. The kids have to be let out after, what is it, 10 days. And you notice the story just fizzled away. You heard nothing about it. The media is, why is the media not reporting about it? Because the media doesn't want to step on their own story. The media's story was Donald Trump is a ruthless savage. And he fabricated this new law 
to rip crying kids from their parents' arms. Donald Trump's response, uh, actually, that law preexisted my presidency. We're just enforcing it. The media, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Trump, you evil fill in the blanks. They probably stuck an expletive in there. Or at best, they described Flores, but they hit it. They wanted to insinuate that Trump did this. Now he signs this executive order, and the story, poof, it's gone, just like that. Amazing how that happens, isn't it? He beat them again. I'm telling you, this guy keeps hitting home runs. They're lobbing little softballs at him. They, they're not ready for this guy. It's because they constantly underestimate him. Again, I'm not saying everything. We're not doing, you know, idol worship here. We don't do that on the conservative side. He's a man like anyone else. But I called that two weeks ago. I said, this story's going to disappear because he just knocked it out of the park on him. Because their story was there was no law. Now they're not going to report on the story. Judge fights a Trump request to fight the law they said didn't exist. <laughs> they couldn't do it. All right, let me take a call here. I've been uh, talking for a while. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Let me take, uh, let's take James from, what's that, Hackettstown, New Jersey. James, you're on with Dan Bongino. What do you got for us? Hey, Dan, I just want to make a quick comment. Uh, you're talking about how not, uh, the founders a while ago, and I want to say that not only did the founders not expect the legislative branch to hand over its power to the judicial branch, but they also didn't expect these guys to be making a living out of staying in office as career politicians, and they also didn't expect the executive branch to be getting the blame for enforcing the laws passed by Congress. Mainly That's a great point. The yeah, mainly because the politicians didn't expect it, or they didn't expect the politicians to, to completely discount the Constitution either. Yeah, and you know, I'm I'm sorry I didn't bring that up. I I mean, obviously, I I, I feel strongly that what you're saying is correct. They, I believe that generation of politicians, you know, remember James, these were this was the revolutionary generation. I mean. Freedom and liberty was tangible to them. They had to feel it. They had to fight for it up close and personal against this monolithic British army. I mean, I don't think they expected such a cowardly class of people to get elected. And like you said, I agree, to become as a career, as a job, politicians as a lifestyle. These guys were probably looked at us today been like, wait, what? We expected you to go back to the farm and till a field or go back to a job and be an entrepreneur, not to make your career out of becoming a lobbyist after doing, a, you know, whatever, two or three terms in Congress. This is absurd. So thanks for the call, James. I appreciate it. It's a good point. Uh, let me, can we slip in one more? Yeah, let's slip in one more. Make it quick. Let's take uh, Dave in Wisconsin. Dave, you're on with Dan Bongino. What do you got for us? Hey, Dan. on. My mom would be proud. She's uh, she's going to be with Lord now, but we're... we're uh Native New Yorkers transplanted to uh, the mid Midwest. I wanted to make my point before the screener gets mad at me. Um, but first of all, you should j- jam on that uh, hashtag dump on uh, de- dunk on Dems. That'd be good. If it's <laughs> Maybe we should start yeah, something. We'll start a movement. You should do it. Get get it going, and I'll retweet you. So so here you go uh, with this stupid pills. When they take stupid pills into Bizarro Land, they get stupider. See, they have now a disease called stupidus liberalis, ridiculous. And as they continue to, they are they are making mistakes because they have practiced political Munchausen by proxy for so long they don't know anything but fear. That's all they know, Dan. They yeah. know how to spread fear. It's just like Jim McCarthy. Every day I ask him what fake news he's going to do. You know, today he's he's talking about uh, Reagan. Yeah, but and, Dave, uh, I, I agree with you. But don't you agree though that after a while? 
the human condition is not suited to that high stress level all the time. That There's only so many outrage campaigns and fear campaigns you can try to leverage against the American people before they stop ignoring you. And, and Dave, thanks for the call. I'm sorry I'm up against a break here. But folks, you can only panic and try to fear, you know, get, get, instill the spirit of fear in the American people for so long. It's been two years of the Donald Trump presidency, almost. We're almost there. And it's what, six, seven, eight outrage campaigns in a row? People are tuning them out. Donald Trump's approval ratings going up. The media's approval ratings, the Democrats, where they're both the same thing, their approval ratings are going down. Dunk on Dems. I love that. Hashtag. Someone start that. Let's get that going. All right, folks. Uh, I'll be back. Uh, if you want to give us a call, 877 381 Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. Here's what we're going to do for the next hour. I'm all into plans. That's kind of my thing. My last line of work, everything was a plan. That's what I love about military guys, by the way. When I was an instructor in our academy, you get these Marines in there, and everything was a five-paragraph order. I loved it. You never had to tell them anything. These guys figure out anything. They didn't even need detailed instructions. You just tell them, do me a favor. Go take that hill, and they figure it out. God bless America's Marines. The Army guys and ladies were pretty good, too. But the Marines, those five-paragraph orders, they were amazing. But here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. You know I'm obsessed with this Spygate debacle. So there's been some more breaking stuff. And it's, I I hate saying this, Rich, explosive. Because if you say explosive and bombshell, it doesn't even mean anything anymore. Because the case is so devastating that everything's a bombshell. And bombshell is not as bombshelly anymore. But this case is so incredible. And John Solomon at the Hill has been doing incredible work. And there's another new series of revelations that in the next hour, you're not going to want to miss. So if you're listening, whether on Sirius, on your terrestrial radio, you're not allowed to go anywhere. Well, of course, I'm not a liberal, so I can't tell you what to do. But I'm, I'm, I'm humbly begging you not to leave. Because you may have missed some of the developments in this case, and they are frightening. And let me just tell you quick, I'm going to set this up, why this matters to me so much. Folks, those of you know, some of you know me, some of you may not. You may be hearing me for the first time. been here quite a bit with Mark, uh, filling in for him for a while, which I'm always appreciative of. But I, I used to be a federal agent. I worked for the Secret Service before this. I'm not trying to impress you. I know who cares. I'm just trying to establish some bona fides here and why the Spygate thing matters. When you have that power, right, that power of the federal government, that power to go and take away people's freedom, to put handcuffs on someone, and you actually look people in the face and do it, it's a whole different ballgame than people who just talk about it. I bring that up, and I know a lot of you cops out there in feds feel the same way I do, because I go on Fox a lot, I do a lot of debates with liberals, and if I hear from one more liberal, oh, if Donald Trump and his team did nothing wrong, they have nothing to worry about, I'm going to lose my mind. Until you look a dude or a woman in the eye who you're putting those handcuffs on and you take away their freedom and you watch their kids crying and their spouse crying and their dog barking and they know their life is absolutely over. Some of these people were some of the worst people in the world. If you're a, if you have an ounce of humanity in you, you will feel at least a little bit of empathy. Now, just imagine for a moment that you didn't do a darn thing wrong. And the massive power of the federal government was unleashed on you. How would you feel about it? 
I'm going to go into some more developments in this case in the next hour. They're just incredible. Don't go anywhere. I'm Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. Infomarket. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Back. We're back. Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. Mark will be back with you tomorrow. Out of the bullpen, warming up the righty. So during the commercial, I'm watching a little bit. I got Fox on here in the background. By the way, make sure you check out Mark's show. 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday night. You like all these pregnant pauses? Are they driving you crazy? (laughs) 10 p.m. Sunday night, Eastern Time, Fox News Channel, Life, Liberty, and Levin. Don't miss it. DVR it. Watch it live. It is the best interview show on television, hands down. Mark gets the answers to questions you're not going to get anywhere else, and he doesn't rush anybody through it. That's the great part about it. I really love this Andy McCarthy, David Limbaugh one, by the way. That was a great one. If you had him on DVR, you'd be able to watch it. Go check it out. Life, Liberty, and Levin, 10 o'clock, Fox News Channel, Sunday evening. Sunday night, excuse me. So I'm watching this. I'm going to get to this uh, Spygate stuff in a second. But I just remember, again, in this prior line of work, whenever we took the president in, uh, as uh, agents, uh, Secret Service agents and the staff overseas on these trips, and they would go to things like this NATO uh, summit that Trump's at now, it was always a pain in the butt because there was always some administrator there, some logistics person who would try to tell us how the stuff was going to go down. Any one of these international conferences, ASEAN, whatever it may be, it was always a headache, even at the UN. They'd say, well, we're going to let you do this and that, but not let you do this. And, you know, most of the time you got to play ball. But sometimes they'll make some crazy requests like, you know, we're not going to let any security guys in and you guys are going to stop right here. We'd be like, yeah, okay, like whatever, dude. That's (laughs) We wouldn't tell them that, but yeah, yeah, sure. You gaff them off. No problem. Yeah, you got it, guy. And then, of course, when game day comes, I would, you know, I'd warn him on game day. Like, listen, here's the way this is going to work. When the president comes in town, the president of the United States, right? He's the man, okay? He's just, that's just the way it works. And it's like a, it's like a locomotive. Now, your choice with the locomotive is you can sit on the tracks and you can stand there and insist that the locomotive not go forth. But the locomotive is going to run you down. So that's your choice. You can get in our way or not. And it reminded me of that old George Bush uh, trip down to, to, to Chile when he goes down there. Chile. And he goes down there to this conference, right? And I, I wasn't on the trip, but I have friends who were. And uh, he's walking in, and I guess the, the Chilean Secret Service tried to stop one of our guys, the, who was at that time the special agent in charge, the big Secret Service boss on the trip, the, the body man, if you want to call him that. He tries to stop him. And the president turns around. This, this is another YouTube classic. You can still see this. The president turns around. He's like in that George Bush voice, hey, Nick, hey. Nick, guy's name was Nick. Nick, hey, what are you doing here? They stop. And then the Chilean Secret Service guys are like in a panic. They're like, is this really the president of the United States? <laughs> he, pull, he takes the Secret Service guy and just pulls him through. Bush. Now, I'll tell you what, whether you loved him or hated him, George Bush, was, he was a good, personally, he was, a, he was the salt of the earth. He was a super nice guy to work with. But, man, he was loyal to the boys. They tried to get in our way. And they, believe me, they really tried to get in our way on that one if you watch the video. 
and he stops, does a U-turn, walks right back. And and remember, the Chilean Secret Service guys aren't looking at him. They're looking at Nick, the Secret Service guy. And Bush reaches through, grabs Nick, hey, come on with me. <laughs> and we warned them. It's a freight train. You're going to get and, and believe me, they, they parted like Moses parted the Red Sea. They were not going to go hands-on with the president. That would have gotten ugly quick. I always think of that story every time I see NATO or one of these things. It's always a hassle dealing with the logistics there. The footprints are there for everything. You're going to walk here, 10 steps here, turn right. Ah, we got this. Whatever. All right. Oh, get the sniffles now because I'm making myself laugh. You're not supposed to laugh at your own stories. So John Solomon at the Hill has been knocking it out of the park on this Spygate debacle. And he put a story out last week, which I was able to cover last week on my show. But now that I've got... uh, been manning the con for Mark here today. I want to make sure you heard this detail in case you missed it. There was an explosive story last week by John. In the Hill, he puts out some unbelievable new emails that have been uncovered pursuant to the House and Senate investigations of the spying operation on the Trump team. Yes, yes, the spying operation. They were not undocumented FBI informants. They were spies, spies, plain and simple. And the fact that the liberal media doesn't want you to use that word should make you double and triple down and use that word even more because it tells you they're scared of something. So some of the quotes from this piece, I'll get to one of the the, the, the really incredible ones in a second, but this one first. This is one of the emails from Stroke, and he's, Stroke's one of the lead investigators on this case. He says, talking about the information, keep in mind this is right before the election. He says, still an expedite, one of the emails beckoned, as the FBI tried to meet the requirements of a process known as a Woods review before a FISA warrant can be approved by the courts. Any, and this is what the email, the subsequent email said, any idea what time he can have it Woods by, Stroke asked Page. I know it's not going to matter because DOJ is going to take the time DOJ wants to take. I just don't want this thing waiting on us all. Why the rush? Why the rush before the investigation? One of the emails, and it's in the title of, of John's piece, I, it's obviously where it, it's a reference to an expletive we cannot use on the air and would not try to, but it was hurry the blank up. One of the subsequent emails by the FBI folks. Why? Why hurry up before the election? What were they so worried about? Now, I want to give you a little inside baseball here on what's going on. He says, listen, we got to hurry up with this FISA warrant against uh, Carter Page and the Trump team conveniently right before the election. And we have to get it Woods. What's the Woods procedure? Well, in a nutshell... It's an information authentication verification procedure that goes through FBI and DOJ channels, folks, to ensure that the information that gets in front of a FISA court judge is, in fact, authentic and genuine. It goes to field level people. It goes to FBI headquarters at each level. They're supposed to check, double check and triple check that information to make sure that false information, which is what the dossier was, does not make it into a court designed to combat terrorism where uh, the, the, uh, the person subjected to the warrant has no ability to go in court and fight it. Unlike a criminal court. It's more like a star chamber. The Woods procedure broke down on this and it broke down badly this information was not authentic multiple people at the department of justice and fbi at some part at some point 
sign their names on an administrative trail, signing off that the information they were putting in front of a judge to get a FISA warrant to spy on the Trump team was genuine when it was not. Why the rush? Why such a rush before the election? Maybe because you were targeting a person, Donald Trump, and not actually targeting a crime? And you were desperate to get spurious, fake, inauthentic information in front of a judge so that you could potentially impact an election? Ladies and gentlemen, this is devastating stuff. Rushing the Woods procedure? By the way, as I bring up all the time, I find it awfully convenient, again, that one of the last people to sign off on it in the Department of Justice over in that National Security Division there was Bob Mueller's old chief of staff. They know each other. I will continue to insist that this Mueller investigation is a total smokescreen. The Mueller investigation has one purpose and one purpose only. It is to keep the attention on Donald Trump and to somehow salvage the reputation of the DOJ and the FBI management that screwed this up. That's the only purpose to it at all. So takeaway number one from the Solomon piece, it's critical. Why the rush? Why the rush to get this stuff in so fast before the election? Was this your insurance plan? What were you doing? Takeaway number two. This is, again, from John Solomon's piece at the Hill. I got nervous there for a second, Rich. You know I'm down in Florida, right, folks? It's like the lightning capital of the world. So my whole studio is on battery. The whole studio. There's nothing in here not on battery. Because lightning hits everything in Florida all the time. We love it. Move that. It's the greatest state in the world. Don't let me scare you. Outside of the bugs and the lightning, it is the most awesome place on earth. We love it. But power outages in Florida are pretty common because it's just a storm every day. So just now, Rich, the lights blinked. And I'm like, I'm looking at the Comrex box here. I'm like, please, God, tell me we're connected. Because you don't hear anything, folks. If the connection goes down, Rich, what Rich, Rich will call me on my phone. Hey, dude, you're not. You're talking into an empty microphone. So good, we're okay. Thankfully, the batteries work. Thank you, batteries. You guys are awesome. We love you. Okay, moving on. Sorry, folks. Don't mean to get distracted, but I do have a little bit of like attention deficit stuff. If you've heard me on the show before, you know that. Really unbelievable. Takeaway number two from the Solomon piece, and I'm reading from the piece here. The day after Trump's surprising win, talking about obviously the presidential election on November 9, 2016, the FBI counterintelligence team engaged in a new mission, bluntly described in another string of emails prompted by another news leak. This is incredible. Here's the email. We need, and this is in all caps, their emphasis, not mine. We need all of their names, talking about the Trump team, to scrub And we should give them hours for the same purpose, stroke email page on November 10th after the election, citing a Daily Beast article about some of former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort's allegedly unsavory ties overseas. So Page writes back, Andy, talking about Andy McCabe, didn't get any others to scrub. That's what Bill said, stroke talking about Bill Prystep, uh, apparently the number two in the counterintelligence division. Excuse me, the number one, strokes the number two, stroke wrote back. He says, stroke, I suggest this is where it gets this is where it gets really filthy. I suggested we need to exchange our entire lists as we each have potential derogatory CI info the other doesn't. Oh CI info. Now for you federal agents out there, you know exactly what CI means. 
CI for you old schoolers. I heard they call them confidential human sources now. Not when I was in the game. They call them CIs, confidential informants or, sp- or spies for people who speak normally and not law enforcement jargon. Scrub information. They have derogatory CI spy information. The other doesn't. Who's the other? Ladies and gentlemen, how many investigations into the Trump team were happening simultaneously? Are these FBI teams? Are these Central Intelligence Agency people who are you? I mean, we know Stefan Halper was a CIA, uh, was affiliated with the CIA at some point. Who family relations and others who was the alleged spy in the Trump thing. How many investigations were going on, folks? This case gets weirder by the minute. All right, I got to take a break. I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. I'm going to get into more of this on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in for Mark. So I got this, Rich, I got this new computer. And I've had to, like, import everything into it. And it's got this touchpad. It's a Mac. And it's, like, weird me out because this touchpad, like, things just start creeping on you. Like, there's this thing now, call back. And I'm like, call back who? Is this, like, it's someone calling me on my computer? And I just figured it out. It's FaceTime. So if someone's FaceTiming me right now, you're getting a... Uh, inside look at the Mark Levin show from the Dan Bongino studio. You're probably getting it. What's the delay on the show, Rich? Is there a, de- there's a delay, right? 30 seconds. So you're getting it 30 seconds before. If whoever you are is calling me on FaceTime on my computer, I'm just throwing it out there that you're getting it 30 seconds in advance. You should pay a premium or something for that. All right. Getting back to the actual content and, uh, not more dumb Dan Bongino stories, but you know, it is happening. The callback thing is weird. There, now it's gone. Now it's gone. That, Rich, was that someone messing with me? I, someone, you probably heard me on the radio. They're freaked out. They know I caught them. It, it's maybe a Russian bot. Is Bob? Is that Bob Mueller? Hey, Bob. Bob, hey. Are you listening to me on the? Are you doing? You got that camera activated there? <laughs> All right. Speaking of Bob Mueller and the investigation, so. Before the break, I was talking about this piece by John Solomon in The Hill, which is excellent. And there's a really disturbing email from the FBI core investigative team investigating Donald Trump and his team. And the email states, I suggested we need to exchange our entire lists talking about lists of Trump team members. This is the day after the election where Trump wins. As we each have potential derogatory CI info, the other doesn't. CI info? Are they talking about confidential informants? Spies? Folks, how many spies and teams were they running at the Trump team? You know, if you heard the beginning of the show, and if you didn't, please listen uh, at com. listen on Mark's podcast, please listen to the beginning. I talked about how Trump is constantly disrespected by the liberal media, despite his ability to do things, and the liberals, by the way, that they couldn't do themselves. They couldn't win the presidency. They couldn't earn the money he's made. They couldn't have had the success in the New York real estate market he's had. And yet they constantly play this guy down. Do you understand they threw the kitchen sink at this guy during his campaign? 
He had no political experience at all, and he still won? This is an unbelievable story, folks. But this piece by Solomon is disturbing. It's straight-up frightening. Who are the others? The FBI team talking about exchanging potentially spy information they had with the other, what, spies, the other CIs, the other team? What team? What is he talking about? How many investigations were they running? Now, Solomon points out in a piece that there was apparently another investigation against the Trump team called Operation Dragon. Oh, you didn't hear about this? Of course you didn't. The media ignores only the biggest scandal of our generation because it reflects poorly on the Democrats and their new lurch towards police state tyranny. This is the biggest scandal of our time. Operation Dragon. It reminds me of, uh, hey, Rich, you ever see Step Brothers? Wait, is it Will Farrell and that other guy, John something? What does he say? You could, you could call me Nighthawk. Yeah, you could call me Dragon. What's with the fancy code names? Crossfire, Hurricane after the Rolling Stones, Dragon. Just name it like, you know, Operation Joey Bag of Donuts or something. We don't really need these, like, you know, edgy names all the time. But there was another Operation Dragon? What the heck was that operation? Was there a spy in that one, too? Folks, how does this not freak you out? This should. I'm telling you, at one point I had the awesome power of the federal government. That's what we did. And when you go out and arrest people, I'm being very serious here. It is a it's it's not easy to do that to take away someone's freedom. Not if you have a heart. Some of these people did really awful things. And I'm telling you, every single time listening to their kids cry as they were coming out of their house in handcuffs was never easy. I don't care how bad they were. Now you had this awesome power of the federal government turned on potentially innocent people on the Trump team because they had the cojones to run for office. That's it. And this doesn't scare you. My gosh, have a spine, have a soul. All right. I'm Dan Bongino. Win for Mark Levin. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. is the nation's town hall meeting and you can join in at 877-381-3811 all right welcome back to the mark levin show dan bongino filling in for the great one he'll be back with you tomorrow don't miss the show 10 p.m eastern time sunday night life liberty and levin on the fox news channel go dvr right now but don't stop listening to the show because i've got more great content for you all right, one more thing on this Spygate debacle. Solomon has another piece. John Solomon at the Hill has been doing great work. Another piece, in addition to the one I just covered in the last segment, it came out, I believe it was yesterday, about not just uh, the, the, the Spygate debacle, but the effort to launder the information, to make the information used to spy on the Trump team seem legitimate. It's another deeply disturbing piece. Folks, according to Solomon, there were multiple emissaries that went to the FBI. It's his word, not mine. Went to the FBI with this information. Now, some of these names may not surprise you. They brought this information, the dirty dossier, the fake, spurious, nonsensical garbage document paid for by the Clinton campaign team through Fusion GPS and Perkins Coie, the law firm. That information was taken to the FBI by multiple people. But the catch is it was the same information. I'm going to make this make sense for you in a minute, why this is so devastating. 
Now, according to the piece, David Korn, who is a uh, left-wing, I don't know if he's a journalist or an opinion guy, acts like an opinion guy, at Mother Jones, staffers for John McCain, Republican senator, and Glenn Simpson over at Fusion GPS, who was the company paid by Hillary Clinton to dig up information on Trump, all, according to the piece, transplanted in some way, shape, or form this information in the form of the dossier memos to the FBI. Now, why is this important and why does this matter to you? Ladies and gentlemen, this seems like the FBI was almost looking for an excuse at that point to spy on the Trump team. Why does this matter? Folks, when you're a federal agent, right, one of the ways they prevent sources from lying is they vet, they vet those sources. Now, as Andy McCarthy from National Review, who's a brilliant uh, attorney, used to be a, a United States uh, assistant United States attorney, I believe he worked in Southern District. As Andy McCarthy's pointed out frequently, and given my experience on the investigative side, not the legal side of the federal government, there is no such thing as vicarious credibility. This is important. I promise this will make sense for in a minute. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Secret Service, the DEA, whatever it may be, the NYPD, does not want to bring information in front of a judge. It's false. They don't. They don't want to be made a fool of. But in their zeal to get Donald Trump, in an effort to authenticate the information, they accepted the same information from multiple emissaries in what appeared to be what it looks like the information was being laundered by the Clinton team. The same information sent through multiple people. Now, what does that have to do with vicarious credibility? Because all of these people that went to the FBI with this information, the McCain team, as the report indicates, the, uh, David Korn, uh, and Korn says it was after the election, and you know, it, 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 uh, to his defense in his own tweet, I've read some of his tweets today, um, but he doesn't deny he presented the information to the FBI. Glenn Simpson and others, the information all came from the same person. And that person was Christopher Steele. How that information got there, whether it got there from three people, five people, or 50 people, it was the same information. The credibility is not increased because more people are using the same source because it is not credibility by proxy. It has to be your information. Here's what I mean. Let me give you an analogy to make it make sense because I, I sense I may be losing you on this. If I'm a NYPD cop doing a drug investigation and some source comes up to me and goes, hey, I heard from Bobby that his neighbor's dealing cocaine out of his house. You say, well, really? All right, well, we need to talk to Bobby. No, no, no. You can't talk to Bobby. You got to hear from me. The guy who's telling you he heard it from Bobby may be the most reliable source in the world. He may have presented to you six or seven or eight slam dunk cases in the past that all turned out to be terrific. His information was solid. It was accurate. It was precise. But ladies and gentlemen, in this specific case, that none of that matters because he's not telling you what he knows. He's telling you what Bobby knows. There is no vicarious credibility. Your source does not get credibility because he's reliable if his information is not his. It's Bobby's. They have to go and interview Bobby. Do you understand with the Trump investigation why this latest piece by Solomon is so devastating about all of these emissaries going to the FBI? All of the information came from the same guy. It was never theirs. In other words, the McCain team that brought it to the FBI, this was not their source. This was not their info. 
They didn't conduct an independent investigation of Donald Trump. It was just information from Christopher Steele. David Korn, if he sent this information over, as the report indicates, it wasn't his information. It was still Steele's stuff. Glenn Simpson from Fusion GPS. Again, it was not his information. It was Simpson. It was uh, it was Steele's. And making matters even worse, it wasn't even Steele's information. Steele never stepped foot in Russia. Steele got the information from others. According to a New York Post story, some allegations of a guy, uh, this guy named Ed, Ed B., that he was part of it. And that he got it from someone else. So now it's not just vicarious credibility. It's vicarious, 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 vicarious to the power of 10 credibility. It's all gone. This information was all garbage. They were using these multiple sources to authenticate the information. Oh, it's got to be legit. We got it from Bob. We got it from Tony. We got it from Lisa. No, no, no. They all got it from him who got it from him who got it from him who got it from him. It's like a, it's like a stupid version of the telephone game. Gosh, they were so eager to pull this guy down. And he still won. Read the report. Uh, it's amazing. All right, let me get to some calls. 877-381-3811 if you want to call. Let me take Al from Chicago. He's been holding a while. Al, you're on with Dan Bongino. What do you got for us? Oh, he's gone. I, Rich, I thought that was Al. Rich is in my ear. And, I'm, you know, sometimes when I, when I hear a caller, I'll move my lips away from the microphone a little bit. So I hear Rich. He goes, oh, he's gone. I'm like, oh, what do you mean he's gone? Oh, that's Rich's voice. All right, who should we take next? What about, let's take, uh, how about John from Georgia? Is John still there? Johnny. Don't even tell me. Oh, John, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Nice. Oh, terrific. What do you got for us, John? You're on with Dan Bungino. All right, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a question. The uh, congressional hearings, you know, uh, what, Paige? She refused to go uh, on her subpoena. Yeah. And my biggest thing, every time I hear of these congressional hearings, nothing's ever done to these people, even though they violate their oath of office, lie to their teeth. And does the FBI not have an internal uh, internal affairs unit that they can uh, hold them accountable and try to get them in front of a grand jury so they can be charged criminally? Because I never see that. Well, Bob Miller's the only one that's getting uh, that's successful in doing that. No, I, I understand. And John, believe me, I am in, in no no way trying to play down your frustration with the glacial, if uh, if if not non-existent pace of many of these investigations. Um, and I'm certainly not defending them. Um, but just to be clear, there has been some accountability. Now, again, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm not fighting you on this at all. Um, Andrew McCabe, he was the former deputy director. His case was referred for criminal prosecution. Now, if anything's going to happen there, I agree with you. I, I, I'm not as optimistic as some other people are. Um, he was uh, fired from the FBI. Is anything going to happen to Page and Stroke? I, I, I don't know, John. I, you know, it pains me to come on the air and to be given the responsibility of this microphone and to not have a solid answer for you. But I doubt any other host would tell you anything different. I'm not sure. 
uh, the Sessions Justice Department has, there are some things they've done well, and there's some things they've done poorly. I do believe, in this case, John Huber, who is his assigned United States attorney to look into DOJ malfeasance, I do believe there are things happening behind the scenes. I'm not as optimistic as I once was. The the uh, Awan case really disappointed me. The the plea bargain deal and the House IT scandal. There are a lot of things going on at Justice I'm not happy about. But I do believe that there are going to be, at some case, at least referrals for criminal prosecution. I don't know how you know uh, robust they're going to be, but I appreciate the call, John. Thanks, and I I hear you with the frustration. Believe me, uh, folks, I get it. Um, all right, <clears throat> excuse me, folks. I don't have a cough button here. My, I got to get one of those. Who wants to hear me uh, coughing on the air? That's the one thing I don't have. All right, let's go to Kelly in my home state, the great state of Florida. Kelly, how are you? Thanks for calling. I'm great. Thank you for, for filling in. I, I really enjoy your perspective as a prior agent. It really adds a, another dimension to this whole Spygate thing that's going on. Um, well, thank you. It scares it, me. It should scare you, too. It it's a really awesome power, you know, Kelly, and the fact that liberals are so flippant about it. I mean, I was on Fox. I'm debating Chris Hahn, who I like ordinarily. He's actually a nice guy off the air. And on the air, he's like, well, Donald Trump has nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. I mean, Kelly, how would you feel if I stuck a cop outside of your house 24 hours then and said, hey, Kelly, you got nothing to worry about. We're just going to have this cop follow you around all day. You'd be like, what are you, crazy? This is nuts. Uh, this country is, is just not the same. Um, and, and by the way, I love it when you see people when, when you're on TV and there's like steam coming out of your ears because uh, what they're saying is so I can't help it. You know? I, let me, so can I give question- you a little inside baseball on that? So I started doing cable news in 2011 um, when I ran for office. So I ran for the Senate in Maryland. And, you know, back then, you want to get called. I'm just a guy. I didn't have much of a platform. You want to get called back. You know, you want to go out there and say stuff and influence the national conversation. So you feel like you got to kind of put on a little bit of a persona. Right around 2012, 2013, I said, you know what? I had like this moment where I said, I'm just going to do my thing. And if someone says something dumb on the air, you're going to get a genuine reaction. Action. So that's that steam is real. I promise you that is not an act. I am usually genuinely upset at some of the stupid that comes out of people's mouths when uh, some of these liberals you debate say these ridiculous things. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I appreciate it. I love your honesty. I mean, that's really, I think, what everyone really appreciates the most about you. Um, so now that we have uh, Operation Dragon added to Crossfire Hurricane, and I'm with you, who came up with these stupid names, um, <laughs> right. based on based on your experience with the Bureau, what what are you thinking on accountability for, for all of this that's happening? Do you think... There are going to be some token agents that are thrown under the bus and say, okay, we, you know, we took care of the problem, nothing to see here. Or do you think there will be zero accountability with what's uh, going on? This is a perfect call because this segues nicely from the last call. It was a similar type question. Um, I'm not optimistic, Kelly, but I'll say this. I do think to put a little smile on your face at the end of the show, and I'm not saying this to leave everybody on a good note. I really do believe this. I do believe there is going to be some accountability. Is it the accountability we'd all want, which is people being you know, held accountable for potential crimes or whatever they did? I'm not sure, but here's where I think that here's where the problem lies for the folks involved in this, Kelly. It's the leaks. There were potential criminal leaks, felony criminal leaks of information to media folks that can no longer be hidden. 
The other stuff, you know, the misfeasance, the stupid emails, um, there's not much criminal there. There's probably administrative action, which the FBI has taken. They fired some people. Uh, some people have left their jobs. Um, that's administrative. But on the criminal side, yes, I, I do believe there will be accountability. I believe John Huber, the United States attorney working on this, is working um, pretty hard to get some accountability there. And um, I got to take a break, Kelly, so I appreciate the call. But. Uh, to answer your question, yes, I do believe there will be accountability, and I do believe it will be on the leaks because they just can't hide them. Those, Remember, how are you going to hide it? The media already reported the story. It's out there. Once they find out who did it, um, I think there's potential someone will be criminally prosecuted. So, uh, And you know what? They should be held accountable. You certainly would be um, if, that was, uh, if you had done the same thing. And justice is supposed to be blind. Apparently, it's just blind to Democrats. All right, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. My wife always gets these chicken sandwiches when I'm filling in for Mark for me because she doesn't want to cook because my studio is not far from where the kitchen is. She's afraid if she cooks, the smoke alarm will go off. Imagine that, hearing that on Mark's 75,000 stations or however many stations he's on. You'd be like, what is this goofball? What's going on there? Is there some kind of nuclear raid siren? But the problem with that is during the end of the show, Show six to nine Eastern, it's three hours. You get a little hungry. Hence, if you've heard me swallowing a lot in the last hour, that's the re- I know it's the most annoying sound in the world, but it's because I'm ferociously hungry right now. And my wife got me a chicken sandwich from the local pizza joint here down in Palm City. They're former New Yorkers, so they make pretty kick pizza. And she gets me this chicken sub, and um, I can smell it, and it's driving me crazy. Did you hear me swallowing like a madman, Rich? You're probably like, will you stop swallowing? Oh, good. Thank God. Because that is the worst sound ever. I'm not chewing a piece of juicy fruit. I'm just super hungry. She's probably outside listening to me. Next time, we have to put the chicken sandwich in the fridge because I can smell it like wafting in here. And it's driving me nuts. (laughs) All right, folks, before I go, really important. I know I can kind of mess around a lot, but this is important. Listen, there's a good man up in the hill right now. There are a few of them left. And when there are a few of them left, the good ones we have, you know, we have to take care of and we have to get behind. It's important. And there's a good man up on the hill right now who is being kneecapped, sandblasted by a bunch of hack insider goons who are desperate to take this guy down because he is the future of our movement up there on the hill. And he's actually a conservative warrior, not a fake rhino up there pretending to be one around election time. That man's Jim Jordan. He's a congressman from the great state of Ohio. He's a wonderful guy. He's a good man. He's a good father. He's a terrific congressman. He's an upstanding human being. Listen, I know the guy. I'm not a name dropping guy. I don't care. You should. I don't. We're not best friends. We don't go out uh, uh, for beers. But I know him well enough to know what he's made of. And I'll tell you what. When I was a conservative running in a deep blue state and just about everybody laughed. I mean, laughed. I almost lost the congressional seat by one point. Hey, listen, there's no silver medals. I lost fair and square. But very few people wanted to help me in the deep blue state of Maryland. Jordan was one of those guys. It was nothing. Zippo. Zero in it for him. 
He's being attacked right now, ruthlessly. People trying to shame him and destroy his character by malicious attacks. This guy needs our help. Go look him up. Go follow him on Twitter. Jim Jordan from Ohio. Shoot his office uh, you know, an email thanking him for their support. Join his email list. This is a good guy, folks. He's being attacked ruthlessly because he may be the next Speaker of the House. And God forbid they get a conservative in there. These liberals would lose their minds. Really horrible what's happening. Folks, thanks again for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I'm Dan Bongino. You can follow me at Twitter, at DBongino, and check out my website, Bongino.com. See you soon.